Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Vice President of the Author Incubator, Jen McRobbie. Well, hello everyone. It's March 23rd and welcome to another episode of Book Journeys Radio. Every week here we speak to accomplished authors who've gone from just having an idea for a book to a finished book who are out making a huge difference in the world. And our goal for this show is for you, for you to walk away inspired and motivated to write your own book, whether it's your first or your third. Today's author is Susan Mercer and I have to just read to you the list of titles Susan has because we only have 30 minutes and she is such an incredible person and does so many things that I want to just get all of these things out for you before we start to talk to her. Susan is the owner of Modern Outlooks, an end-of-life doula, a kundalini reiki practitioner, an energy healer, space clearer, educator, and interior designer, all on top of being the best-selling author of A Graceful Goodbye. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jen. Thank you for being on the show. We have so much to talk about. But I always ask our authors to first begin by telling our listeners, what is your book about and who is it for? So my book is about really the celebration of life. It's it is for someone who is dealing with maybe an elderly parent or a family member who's just been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And Mm -hmm. instead of getting caught up in all of the, oh my gosh, we're now going to deal with death and what does that look like, it's really about supporting the person where they are right now while they're still living. And through a legacy project of that's a celebration of life, creating a transition room for them to be in as they go through the dying process. It's also getting, um, it has in, the, my book has information in it of all the documents that you need or want to think about in, in preparing for, for the death so it can be the most peaceful, serene experience possible. Oh, that what a wonderful resource, Susan, because I know that, when death approaches, whether it is um, sudden or not, I think we sort of lose our heads a little bit, even though we we know innately that it's coming, right? Exactly. And I and love so that is, your book is a resource for that. Thank you. It, it's that. It also helps. Um, I think there's so much grief we go through even before the person dies that oh, we yes. need support with. and. You know, the medical community is great with taking care of all the medical needs, but there's very little support for the emotion needs, which is where the doula piece comes in, is to really support the family member and the dying uh, person through that process, being there 100% for them. Well, and I would imagine that the types of grief that either a caregiver or family member has is probably distinct and different than the grief that's being experienced by the person who's dying, right? 
Exactly. And many times because we don't speak about death or that's always, you know, we can't talk about that. Right. The person who's dying has just as much of a need to talk about it but is afraid to because they don't want their loved one to feel bad. And so the more the more the loved one can really embrace death and what it means that then allows the dying person to have the conversation and talk about their fears and or their hopes and what their experiences are or feelings uh, toward it. And it makes just to have the conversation can be so um, such a gift of love in and of itself. Yes, and it and it feels even just listening to you talk about the process, it feels very healing. It definitely is, and because we don't know, you know, we think we know, and a lot of times too, our beliefs or how we believe can sort of um, contradict or not be in the belief system of the other person, and it's a way to just um. be accepting and respectful and not feel that one way is better than the other, but all ways are possible. Oh, that makes really so much sense. That. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with this topic, Susan? Have you, how long have you been acting as an end-of-life doula, and how did, how did you even come to this work? So I started off, um, it was really kind of interesting, just an ad in the paper looking for hospice volunteers and hospice training. And so it was through that process I did that and then had a client and then they offered the end-of-life doula training. And I don't have a fear of death myself because I don't think it's the ending. I think it's just a another way of living once we come out of the physical body. So right. I found that because I don't have the fear, I was, I'm able to be with people where they're at in their process uh. um, and have sat with different um, people have experienced their bodies leaving um, the physical realm and just an amazing experience. And I've seen that it has happened in places like in an ICU where it's very cold and the person is dressed very just in a hospital gown and very thin blankets and just not peaceful or serene and that it can right. be done differently, you know, that we can have music and create just a a much nicer space for the person that's dying and for the family members. And it just can be more personal. So through this, I just saw a need for education and just starting this whole process and knowing that it can be something other and allowing people to know that as well. I, I, it is so important, Susan, because we all, die or ex- will experience death in our lifetimes. Exactly. So it is a it is a unifying event that will happen to every one of us on this planet. Mhm. Exactly. And and so that we know that there's alternatives, you know, just because it's this way doesn't mean that that's the way it has to be. The more we can <laughs> say, well, I want to bring in pictures or I want to bring in a favorite lamp or can't we put them in their favorite pajamas wherever they are whether they're in hospital room nursing home wherever those things are available that you can ask to have that happen oh wow that's what's really important that is and it it embraces our each of our individuality 
right, and how we want to spend those last moments. Exactly. And even um, they found that hearing is the last sense to leave the body. So having music playing instead of, you know, filling someone up with drugs, which can create a lot of adverse effects, having music playing in the background, somebody reading a favorite poem, even creating visualizations can change all of the breathing and the struggle and just there's a a serenity and a peacefulness that happens with all of that. Wow, I didn't know that. That's fascinating that that hearing is is what they believe to be the last sense to leave our bodies? Yes, yep, that even though we appear to be unconscious, we can still hear everything around us. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. sometimes that means that those last words that you offer to your loved ones, that, that they can hear it. And and maybe that is a real healing place for the person who's speaking to be in. Exactly. And to know that what you say does really matter. And that's what that importance of really having that space for the person that's dying to be comfortable, but also for the people that come into the room to really know it is a sacred space that they're sitting in and whatever the feelings were, they get left at the door and you're just there 100% with that person can create just a, a bond that carries both through their years. Oh, so wonderful. So wonderful. How did you decide, or why did you decide to write a book? I mean, you were obviously doing this work and bringing this healing into the world. Why a book? Very good question. Excuse me, very good question. It just certain, um, I'm somewhat spiritual, well, very spiritual, and sort of look for just signs that come into my world, similar to what hospice did, and it just seemed there was another author piece that I had done, and it just seemed like it needed to something needed to get written and into the world. And so it was a process I started um, and then found, again, Angela's program through just not even looking for it, showed <laughs> up and resonated, and it was like, okay, now this can be a reality. And I think, too, it, it gives me the credibility. So one of my goals is to create a transition room in every hospital, nursing home, care facility. And so a book gives you gives me that credibility that I I may know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely know what you're talking about, but I know what you mean. There is a certain gravitas that's attached to being an author, isn't there? Absolutely. Have you found that people have treated you differently or that you've had different opportunities that have come up since you've written the book? I think there's more of, um, well, for me even, within my own being, there's a different confidence that Mm. I have the book and I have something that if, you know, I'm speaking to someone or someone has some questions, it's like, oh, my gosh, I addressed this in Chapter 3. Let me get you know, let me send you the link for my ebook so you can read that. I helpful. see. So it's a nice point of reference for people too. So that's changed um, more um, a broader perspective. I feel like. Oh, that's wonderful, and you know, maybe because death is the type of topic 
where we societally we don't talk about it very much. I wonder if having a book makes it um, a little easier for your audience to sort of digest your messages because they can do it on their own in their own speed, their own time. Exactly. I believe that's right. And even though it is a book um, based on death, it is really based on living um, at, in the moment, too. So this helps people see the um, sort of the flow of both. You know, we have the flow of life into the flow of death that then flows back into life. And so right. It gives a different perspective and understanding, and it's, it's written in a very um, gentle way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So it just, it's, it's like I'm, someone's just sitting with a good friend and they're going through a process. Which when we're, when we're going through a grief process like that, that's I think what a lot of people crave, isn't it? A really good friend who will sit with them and just hold space for whatever they're feeling. Exactly. That's really what how we wonderful do want more than anything. Right. Say how wonderful that you've put a, a written, you know, book out into the world that will serve as that friend to people who are really suffering. That's wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's, I'm glad that you came to us and that you were willing to share your expertise. <laughs> Did you yes. find writing the book to be difficult, though? Because there are, I know you're not unafraid of death, and you have a lot of experience with teaching people how to face it. But did you find putting that in writing to be difficult? There were times where I wasn't sure how to get the, the certain message across or, or how I wanted to phrase it or or be in it or that it would even have enough. There were some chapters that started out very um, short. Mm-hmm. And then I knew it needed to expand. And actually through this process of writing to an individual or an ideal reader made it so much easier than for me initially when I was trying to write without having any kind of a mentor. I was writing right. to a mass. And this was much easier to write to a person. Uh, and then know through writing to the person, I would re- reach many people. And um, that for anyone listening that that doesn't isn't familiar with the process that um, Angela Loria, Loria, who is the author incubator and, and the founder of our company, um, part of her difference process is that the idea of writing a book is all fine and well, but that it really needs to be a love letter to one person, right? And exactly. that's what Susan's talking about here, that that you had a, a person in mind, right, Susan? Did you write out who that person was? Yes, I have um, a few friends who are, go- and myself actually as well, going through you know, having elderly parents and knowing that at some point they are going to pass and not really knowing what their wishes are and how to Mm. have those conversations. And so it really helped me define what I would want for myself. And so once I knew what I wanted, I could then say to them, oh, you know, I know my, you know, end of life is going to come and these are the wishes I have. You know, what are you thinking about? What, What do you envision having in your life? And 
it's amazing just how seamless it can be into having their conversation. So it was really myself, my generation, and, you know, someone in their 50s and 60s who was going through that with elderly parents and right. wanting to have that sort of seamless transition without the regrets, the I wish I did, why didn't I do this piece, <laughs> um, I think is so important. It is, and that makes sense. And what's interesting about the ideal reader is, you know, you had an image of someone, yourself, your friends, in your mind while you were writing the book, but I suspect that there are many people who don't fit that exact profile that your book has really helped. That's true. It wouldn't be the exact. It may be, you know, a, um, a family member that is where someone just got diagnosed with a terminal illness, and be it that that person, unfortunately, was a child, you know, middle age or old age. It's it's a way right. to help them also through their own process of celebrating the life while they're right here, and then preparing for how they want their end of life to look like. So it does expand mm. to reach that group as well and hopefully even us baby boomers who are going <laughs> to be experiencing death at some point to say oh wait a minute i can make sure i have all these things in place for myself so ah that's a really that good point step. yeah mm-hmm. that the book doesn't have your book doesn't have to be read in the exact moment of grief it can be read in preparation for what will inevitably happen to all of us exactly Hmm, that makes a lot of sense. Did you find while you were writing, um, did you have writer's block or any difficulty other than knowing you sort of needed to expand some chapters or anything like that? There were times what I found early on that, and this is one of the great things that um, Angela has us do too, is to set aside a certain amount of time every week. It does, and within that week to take a couple of days and then set aside a couple of hours within those couple of days. And mm-hmm. so I felt like she had really set me up for success. So I could create, I did it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and it was two hours each day, and I had a ritual where I would just um, have a, can- a special candle that I would only light for that writing. I had a special pen I used. My book all start is all written longhand, and then I would put it in the computer so oh, wow. The special pen, the paper, the atmosphere. And then when I found that nothing was coming, I would get up, I would blow the candle out, get up, walk away, do something other, then maybe put music on, relight the candle, and then sit down and everything would flow. So I just allowed, allowed for whatever was to come to happen and not try not to give it any judgment or get down on myself for it and having Angela's support and then the support of, I think there were 12 other of us authors that were going mm-hmm. through the process at the same time. So having support, knowing that we weren't the only ones feeling a certain way or that was having right. the writer's block made a huge difference. That makes so much sense. You know, we get a lot of applicants that are reticent about the group aspects of working with the author incubator and what I'm hearing you say is that you found that to be one of the more rewarding parts of it. Absolutely. I I found it to, it brought it from cuz writing is a very secular um piece of life, yes. very solitary. 
but to know it, whatever process you're in, whatever emotions you're feeling, because it's very vulnerable to actually put words that come from your head on paper and then have yeah. someone else read them. So it mm-hmm. brings up a whole host of emotions and knowing I wasn't the only one feeling a certain way and could have the empathy of others made a big difference that I wasn't alone. And isn't it funny that, you know, we all go through sort of that same emotional process, whether we're writing a book um, with a new outlook on death or a book on how to be a good business person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's something about putting putting pen to paper and knowing that other people are going to read sort of your inner you're in their self. Yes. That can be vulnerable. Well, speaking of pen to paper, what did you do with the longhand version of your book? Do you still, I have, still have it? it. Yes, I <gasps> do. What are yep. you going to do with it? Anything or do you do you have it in a special drawer or I, I'm I'm just trying to imagine what it looks like because that sounds so um fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's in, I have a um, special Angela, pink Angela notebook, like a three-ring <laughs> binder. And so it's actually it. in the back of that, and my pen of choice was a purple purple ink pen. So it all kind of <laughs> ties in. That is so fantastic, Susan. I have I don't believe I have spoken to an author that's written out their book longhand while they were mm-hmm. doing it. That's amazing. It was really... It, you know, it, I just felt like I was more in the flow for me doing it that way. And then one of Angela's things is to keep her uh, mantras, I think, is to keep writing forward. And so yes. I found that when I had to put it in the computer, I would then edit at that point. You know, I would go back oh. and read the chapter and make some notes on the longhand version. But then I could do like a different, a, another editing when I was typing it into the computer. So it was fascinating oh, that way, too. No, it is. That's, not only is that fascinating, but what a nice way for you to, you know, really sit down and, and put out all of the emotion and all of the information that you need and then go back later and be able to organize it. Yes, exactly. Right. That makes yeah, so much sense. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I, um, I, I do type well on the computer, but if I relied on that, I wouldn't have had that feeling of keep writing forward because I'd go back and I'd be, oh, did I spell that right? Or you know, does that <laughs> right. sentence make sense? Whereas if it's longhand, it's just to me it's more of in the in the flow, and so it just was easier to keep going. Well, and talk about being able to really get into the persona of writing a love letter. I mean, we you don't type a love letter. You write a love letter, right? Exactly. That's fantastic. So tell me, did you get hand cramps? That's the real question. <laughs> no, actually not really at all. Um, I like to write. <laughs> like even, I'll write some blogs um, that are on my website, and those are all done longhand too. I just, um, It's just where my, I guess that inner, my inner author comes out more in pen to paper versus on computer. Yes, and and I think that's really important to note, Susan, is that you found a way to connect with your inner author, and you followed that ritual and that guidance the whole time, and that's why you were able to finish your book, I think. 
Absolutely. Yes, I think that definitely helped with not having as much writer's block. I could definitely see if I was sitting in front of the computer, I would just go blank. Right. So for, for me, that definitely, the, the long hand made a difference. Well, Susan, for anybody who's listening, who wants to, you know, know some more about you or, or listen to more of your talks, where, where can they find you? So they could find me um, at modernoutlooks.com is my website. Great. That I have um, some blogs posted, um, and that has my contact information. I'm all, my email is susan at modernoutlooks.com. If they want to send me an email personally, um, that's really the my best way. Wonderful. Now, do you? Yeah, you know, do you offer any like talks or you know phone calls or anything, or is is just reaching out via email the best way for people to learn more from you? So, um, reaching out by email, I'm currently putting together a landing page that would have they can get a, access a free copy of my book. Also, Great. anyone um, I'm looking, you know, I offer a free call to help through the grief process of either when someone has died or going through how to be with the person while they're still alive before they've died. So I offer help with that support so that they can be empowered because a lot of times what I found is the family members who actually the ideal reader is just they feel helpless, they don't know how to support that person, they don't know really what comes next, there's stress involved, so I'm, I offer um, a phone call to help them work through all that and support them in this process and oh. to really help them embrace the life right now and be prepared for the death. What a gift. What a Thank gift you. that you offer that for free, Susan. That is so wonderful because, you know, when, when you're in that moment, you kind of can't see the forest for the trees without some help. Exactly. And the medical field can be so, they need to do what they do, but they can be so overwhelming also that you then it's like, I need emotional support. Yes. You know? and, and so that's what I'm providing. You know, you've got your medical doctors and then that's one of the things with the end-of-life doulas or myself provide is that emotional support on hand-holding through this oh, process. That's- that's that's fantastic. You know, we talk at the Author Incubator about birthing your book and how maybe Angela might be sort of like a book doula, but mm-hmm. you are a doula for life in many ways, not death, right? Yes, thank you. I, I feel that way. I, you know, just to have someone you know is there for your emotional support and caring and and can allow you to be present with your feelings so that you can be present for your dying one's feelings. It's just, it's like we're all a little mini community working together for all our support. Wow. You know, it's, 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 um, it's beautiful. To, I've witnessed it a couple of times, and it's just amazing how families can shift on the smallest of things, knowing that they can create like a, a scrapbook that they can then share with their loved ones where they didn't have communication before, you know, or creating a special room with favorite things in it 
um, that they might not have thought about because you're you're so in, involved in just the day-to-day caring that sometimes we do lose sight of that bigger picture. Right. And and I think if you don't deal with it at the time, then all of those emotions are going to come back and resurface later at an even less convenient time, right? Exactly. Yeah, the emotions always want to come back one way or another. So it's, you know, if you can create that nice memory and then um, the celebration of things you're going to do and that, you know, first birthday, the first, you know, anniversary of the death, that first anniversary, first <sighs> Christmas, there's all of those. But if you we set up things for success so that they're uh, an honoring instead of a, a grieving, if you will. Yes. Uh, and it's always going to be oh. done with some sadness, but you can make it more of an honoring. Susan, I am so sad. We've just been chatting, and we're down to only a minute left. I can't believe it. <laughs> I could talk to you all day about this. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show. And anyone who wants to find Susan, you can find her at Modern Outlooks dot com or shoot her an email susan at modernoutlooks.com but more importantly go to amazon right now and look up a graceful goodbye and download it because even if you're not in the midst of a grief process you're going to want this book and you're going to want the information that susan shared um, so that you can be prepared and if you're in the middle of that grief process um, let susan help you through it look her up online download her book Susan, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Jen. I appreciate this time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.